Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, these days in which we live don't seem to lend themselves to laughter. But does that, oddly enough, mean we should be looking for the humorous things in our lives more than ever? Today, we welcome aboard Carrie Pomeroli, a celebrated stand-up comedian that's graced stages from The Tonight Show to Comedy Central to ABC, a screenwriter, speaker, and the author of the fresh wisdom of Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman. And she rises late at her kids' make her breakfast devotions for the Proverbs 32 Woman. The warmest and the heartiest of welcomes to you, Carrie. How are things for you and yours today? Um, in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, we are just bunking up, and uh, I'm parenting inappropriately by letting my children watch cartoons and iPads. More than the uh, the uh, CDC uh, recommends for the good health of my children, but I get to spend time with you, so I figure it's okay that they're on technology. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty indescribable, right? It's the same story for so many of us across the country right now. But paint us the picture. I mean, just how much has your life changed? Well, ironically, I bought a house in L.A. about a month ago, and then this happened. (sighs) So I know that God likes to surprise me with delightful things. But I was like, Lord, did it have to be a pandemic after I just put my kidneys down as a down payment on this house? (laughs) So um, it, it was... It was uh, it was quite a, as an entertainer that makes my living in groups. It was a quick, quick turnaround for us because I had it sold out shows. One of them was maybe almost two thousand people, and within twenty four hours, you know everything everything shut down. And so um, I just made all these grandiose plans that I was going to cook more and get in shape and read more books and pray more. And I think I've just um, watched a lot of Netflix with my kids and eat a lot of old canned goods that we have had in our pantry. I'm like, we're not spending money. I'm not going to the grocery store to wait in line for three hours. So I readily admit that my kids have been eating SpaghettiOs with wild abandon and maybe spam. I don't know what that meat was this morning. No. Comedy, I think, is always a pretty beautiful gift to the soul, you know, when we remember to accept it. But for someone whose profession is all about bringing people joy, just how important do you think it is to hold on to laughter and perspective at a time like this? Well, as a Christian, I really feel that we need to laugh at the devil because all of this mayhem in our lives, big or small, is from him. It's not from God it's the devil trying to throw chaos and confusion into our lives. And so even when I'm having the worst of the worst of circumstances, sometimes I just laugh and I go, devil, you just gave me an even bigger testimony. You just gave me an even bigger scope of people to minister to. So I think if we can kind of look at that perspective, that it is spiritual warfare when we go through these things and we laugh at him and we don't let him take our joy. We win. We win that battle. <laughs> 
Now, you have some great new books that we're going to talk about uh, for much of the chat today. But before we introduce you to those books, you have a biography that is absolutely chock full of fascinating items. Maybe we could just start with this. You have been telling jokes since you were two, from what I understand. Oh, my gosh. That is a true statement. Why did my dad not teach me math? (laughs) I could be a doctor. But here's they the used to teach me jokes when I was two years old and take me to parties. And I would walk up to people and be like, I saw this man. And I said, you have a banana in here. And then the guy said, I can't hear you. I have a banana in my ear. I mean, these are really <laughs> bad jokes. Uh, and my father and my mother would teach me facts, like how the pistons run in a car. I had a really good memory. And so my teachers all thought I was gifted. <laughs> but really, I had to go to kindergarten twice because I couldn't cut in a straight line. Um, so. I just think that we need a parent. We need a parent with higher aspirations for our children. No, here's the reality of that, though. You also had a tremendous amount of dramatic acting ability and also dancing ability. But how did you decide that you wanted to make people laugh for a living instead of weep? Well, yes, exactly. Um, Well, I moved to L.A. and I was doing acting and I had that really extreme Christian goal to win an Academy Award in Mary Matt Damon. I said, Lord, I've got a plan, you know. And um, I got involved with this crazy church out here in L.A., um, crazy because they wore Hawaiian shirts and blue jeans. And my Presbyterian mother would be like, they're from hell. But um, they were this four-square church, and they had potluck dinners, and so I would always go and hang out with them. And I really fell in love with the church and God, and I wanted to do something that wouldn't compromise my values. In Hollywood, that's very hard, because film and TV, I was on General Hospital at the time, and Young and the Restless, and not feeling exactly artistically fulfilled. Um, (laughs) And so comedy was really a God idea about how can I make people happy? I really prayed. I said, Lord, I just want to make people happy. I don't know if that means I become a massage therapist or like a nail salon person, but I want a job that makes people happy. And he led me to comedy. It was not my choice. I didn't grow up as a little girl being like, please let me tell jokes. Uh, So it kind of evolved into this comedy career, which evolved into a ministry, which is totally God's plan. But if he had told me that before, I would have been like, ah, no thanks. We're talking with Carrie Pomeroli, and I say talking, but really just laughing at this point. <laughs> a <laughs> celebrated stand-up comedian that's great stages from The Tonight Show to Comedy Central to ABC. She is a screenwriter, a speaker, and the author of The Fresh Wisdom of Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman. And she rises late and her kids make her breakfast. <laughs> Devotions for the Proverbs 32 Woman. I was like a bio line that just makes me laugh just reading the bio line without even. Well, I wanted to call it hashtag hot mess for Jesus, but they wouldn't let me use that line. So I just thought I'd say that's the real title that I have in my head. Now, you say that 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 decision to go into comedy was when you were already in Los Angeles, but you also trained at Second City, right? In Chicago for a period of time? No, I trained in the L.A. studio. We, We had branched out. But yeah, it was the same folks. And I also trained at the Groundlings, which is where Will Ferrell and a lot of the Saturday Night Live people trained. So that was a great time in my life, just working with awesome comedians. And the fact that you were able to do that, I can't resist asking this question because when you you read the bio about all the people that you've worked with, it's just a who's who of comedy today. Who is the funniest person that you've ever worked with? Oh my gosh. Uh, Probably my nine-year-old daughter when she comes on stage. Um, I would say not necessarily, well, the kindest 
kindest, most generous person had to be Jay Leno because I worked for him for years. And he, he taught me about workplace and why you keep the same crew that he did for 30 years and why he was the number one talk show. You know, uh, maybe he wasn't like the edgiest or whatever, but he was solid and he would come into work every day with a big smile on his face and shake everybody's hand, like everybody's hand on the whole crew. Um, he's also very superstitious. So he wore the same denim shirts and jeans every single day, <laughs> literally. I mean, I think he had more than one, but it was a denim shirt and denim pants. But he just taught me a lot about like professionalism and how to run a great workplace. Working with Jim Carrey taught me about how brilliant he was and smart and fast and quick on his feet. So I've had some great mentors and, you know, even though I might have not worked with them for very long, you get to experience why they've succeeded. And Jim Carrey was really fun to work with. Well, that's actually cool that you get to make that, you get to tell that story too, especially when it comes to Jay Leno, because I think the, the conventional wisdom in that whole Leno Letterman narrative is that Leno was sort of the bad guy, but that's really cool to hear from behind the well, scenes. And then here's um, a little trivia. So when I was about 15 or 16, my dad met Jay Leno. I wasn't there. And he said, my daughter wants to be an actor. Can I get an autograph? So he wrote to Carrie, come to LA. We'll work together. We'll make movies. Love Jack. And so that was like the late nineties, whenever that was. And lo and behold, I did his show all those years. Right. And worked with him. And I never told him about the autograph. Cause I was like, Oh, I didn't make it to the couch to be like the fancy guest. But recently I posted something on Instagram about him being a gentleman and like the story. And then the story ended up getting back to him. And then he sent me a message saying, congratulations. Cause when I was doing uh, his show, I hadn't become a standup yet. Yeah. And so it was really sweet cause he cared enough to, you know, send me good wishes. Well, you know, it's been so fascinating to have the chance to talk with a number of you talented folks, you know, people of profound Aww. faith in Jesus that work in Hollywood. And when we ask the question, we can't resist about what that's like exactly. The answers really run the gamut. I mean, some people say it's basically a non-issue to be a person of faith in Hollywood and other people say it's extraordinarily tough. Where are you on that continuum? Well, I really want to say it depends on where you are with your faith, because if you're a person who professes faith, but then they go out and take any job anywhere, anytime, you're not going to have a problem. You're not going to leave you alone. You know what I mean? And it's one of my chapters in my book that I was ranting about. I wrote a chapter called my heart is breaking for Hollywood because Christians that stand up for what is right and for what is moral and say no to things, which I would call myself on that team, don't have it that is easy. But if you just say you're a Christian, but you're still going to do that R-rated movie and you're still going to do the nude scene, and you're still going to use all the language, nobody cares because everybody thinks they're Christian anyway. Like I could be on the set and they're all like partying, smoking, drinking, whatever. And they're like, yeah, we're Christian. Like, what does that really mean? So I think that, the deeper you go in your faith, it's a narrower path that you're called to walk. And it can break your heart sometimes to see what's being put out there, what movies we're watching, what TV shows are being applauded as normal. You know, like I had a, I had a conversation with a pastor and I love this guy. He's amazing. But he watches Game of Thrones. And I'm like, pastor, that's like porn. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, it's a little bit of porn. So if I make you spaghetti and I put like a little dog food in it, is that okay with you? <laughs> but I just feel like it's a watered down Christianity sometimes in Hollywood. Wow. So we really have to take seriously like 
where, where are you willing to draw the line? And are you willing to fight the good fight for that? Well, I know that you're also working to craft content that is wholesome and that is full of great values too. So if we have a chance a little later on, I want to ask you about that, but the tremendous oh, yeah, books. And did, I mean, ask me about, I, I can tell you now we can talk about it, but I'm a writer for the Hallmark channel, That's exactly which it. is so cool. If there's anybody listening, I'm, fighting the fight not to make Christmas movies in July. So I hope that I will make some really cool sci-fi on the Hallmark <laughs> princess in space, you know, well, since you, since you come back with that uh, extremely compelling comment, then let me just ask you, I mean, it, it does seem to be the Hallmark channel really is having a moment and you've, yeah, you've written are. a good many scripts for them. What, what is going on? There? Uh, I think people just Hallmark is like the Disney channel for grownups. It's not real. Okay, like nobody gets mad. The bad guys aren't bad. Nobody gets dirty. Nobody has fights. Like everybody's happy. I think it's an escape from everything out there, from The Handmaid's Tale, from Game of Thrones, from like Boardwalk Empire, all these violent, violent horror movies. I think sometimes you just want to curl up with some popcorn and go to this imaginary place. Like remember the Andy Griffith show, like Mayberry? Everybody wanted to live in Mayberry or everybody wanted to live in the Brady Bunch house. Like we knew that it didn't really exist, but yeah, because a woman with three girls and a guy with three guys are going to move in together and have pure peace. But (laughs) I think we need that in today's world sometimes. Just throw your hat off and just watch a cheesy movie about a girl and a lumberjack boyfriend renovating a house together. It's all good, you know? (laughs) Uh, so well said. So well said. Well, Carrie Pomeroli is with us today, the celebrated stand-up comic that's graced stages from The Tonight Show to Comedy Central to ABC. She's a screenwriter, a speaker, and the author of The Fresh Wisdom of Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman, and she rises late and her kids make her breakfast. I laugh every time I read that. Devotions for the Proverbs 32 Woman. Yeah. So let's turn to the books a little bit more intentionally here. You make the unmissable reference to yourself as what you mentioned uh, at the open, a hot mess for Jesus. I am guessing there's a wealth of meaning contained in that phrase. Yeah. And I think men can be a hot mess for Jesus, Ryan. I really think you can like sign up for that, for that class if you want. But I think I'm really, I don't know. And I, let me ask you this question. I feel that women, Christian women too, have a lot of pressure to be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. Do you feel that men today have that same type of pressure put on them all the time? Well, I do think, I do think perhaps in a different way, you know, maybe to be, uh, to conform to a certain standard of what society suspects or expects. But I will say, uh, just looking at it from the opposite realm, it is, it's heartbreaking to me uh, to see so many of my friends uh, and the women just in my life who are, are looking at the standards you describe. And they're all fake, Ryan. They're fake. Like, they're airbrushed. They're photoshopped. I mean, now it's gotten just so crazy where these kids on Snapchat are putting donkey ears and unicorn horns. I'm like, really? Is that what you're looking for when you find a boyfriend? He's going to meet you for the blind date and he's looking for the unicorn girl? Like, really? Is that what you think is attractive? So I don't know how far it's going to go before the pendulum swings back. But the reason I call myself a hot mess for Jesus is because even in church society, you look at these women speakers and these women authors, and I can't focus on them because their hair is so perfect and they like, they're so tan and their face doesn't move. And I'm like, does you think she has Botox? Like I'm obsessed. And so I just thought I'm going to write a real book about my real 
faults, my real failures for real women. I'm like, yeah, I tried Botox. I broke out in hives. Do you think that was God's message to me? Like, stop messing with your face. Um, you know, so I just wrote about things that you might not find in other books that were really true to my life. And then I found that a lot of other women were like, oh, I can relate to that. I can relate to the struggles that you've described. So I'm hoping, and it's not a mom book. I know one of the titles says she rises late. Um, I am a mom. I'm a single mom. But I wanted my books to be for single women, moms, grandmothers, wives, just women, so they could laugh. So they could just really, really laugh and eat some potato chips. <laughs> I knew as a fan of your comedy to expect the unexpected, but that line about Botex still got me. I was, I was crying here. <laughs> so thank you for that. And Ryan, I have to tell you a little secret. Yeah. You know what? After I broke out in hives, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I love it. I look amazing. <laughs> As soon as the hives went away, my forehead was perfect. We know so much of the famed Proverbs 31 woman. There have been so many things written about her, but you talk an awful lot about the Proverbs 32 woman. Who is she? Me, pretty much. Me and all the other women out there just trying to make it through the day. They're just trying to homeschool their kids. And we're like, the homework would be so much easier if you just let mommy do it, you know? Uh, So I just feel like in today's world, we're just trying to make it through the day. So the, the book started as me writing a letter to the Proverbs 31 woman, trying to find her email in heaven and saying, look, I respect you, but you've been stressing out women for thousands of years. And so we need to chat. Like, what was it really like? So the, the book is sort of a love letter to her about my world and my struggles. And then uh, in the end of the book, she writes back a little bit. And so it's kind of a fun character to create like, what was she really like? Was she real? You know, did she hang out at the watering hole with all her girlfriends while her husband was hanging out at the gate, you know? So um, it was a fun uh, book to, to write and, and see what, what would she have to say to women today? Now, you say that you were born a type AAA. The battle against perfectionism has been a real companion for the journey for you. How does that sort of play into the message and what do you want to get across to people with that? Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I think I'm such a perfectionist and then now I'm looking at my kitchen and like three drawers are open and there's magic markers everywhere and I don't want to like get up and fix that. But there's certain areas in my life where I've struggled with the appearance. Um, You know, I have this talk that I do when I go to women's groups and it's called I Didn't Make Cheerleading because, you know, I was raised in the 80s and the 90s and there was this perfection image that if you are the certain kind of girl, you do the certain kind of things. And I was never that girl. I couldn't even hang out with those girls. So um, I still struggle with that image, Instagram, Facebook, how many followers do I have? Do you guys like my haircut? You know, Uh, all the things. And so I really felt like God is like, that is one of the biggest tools of the enemy to slow you down. That is not from me. I never told you that you can't have lines on your forehead. I don't know what board meeting happened where they said we should tell women they can't have wrinkles. Do you know what I mean? It's just this Mm. thing that we've created for ourselves. And so a lot of the book for me is about grace, about God's grace and grace for myself. Well, it is sort of interesting because you have, you really have achieved so much uh, professionally. I mean, nationally known in anything for being good at something. That's pretty special stuff. But yet, except when you, you still feel unworthy because the devil will make anybody feel unworthy. I have friends that are celebrities and they, they finish a TV show and they'll be like, Oh, I'm never going to work again. You'd be shocked 
you probably wouldn't because of your line of work. You meet a lot of people, but there's so much insecurity. I mean, Hollywood is just one big eighth grade lunch table and everybody's trying to get to the better seat. And then the best seats are Scientologists, you know? So friend like cheered me up the other well, a little while ago. I was feeling kind of down because my business is, it's so competitive, you know, it's just always grind, grind. And she said, Carrie, like take a moment and realize that you get to make a living with your dream. Yeah. Like you're doing every day your dream job. And who can say that when they wake up? And it's such a blessing, you know? And I've worked enough horrible jobs to know the blessing of what I get to do. Well, and you you are a blessing in doing it as well. I mean, in bringing joy to people, but it oh, is. Oh, thank you. Well, it's thank true. You. You're absolutely welcome. But I mean, you're absolutely right too. I mean, when you talk about feeling ill-equipped and you really dig into feelings of feeling ill-equipped to meet the demands of a mom's life. Uh, how do you, I mean, what are some of the prescriptions that you've used to, to fight against that? Um, I really think laughter has helped me parent. R- Lucy, don't you think mommy's funny? Yeah, she goes, um, sure, that's my toilet. Uh, <laughs> like she was in a bad mood in the car the other day, and she was being 12. And so I just started trying to make jokes, and then she still wouldn't laugh at me. And then oh. I just tried treating her like a five-year-old and started tickling her. And then she started laughing. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, you're going to laugh whether you want to or not. And then it kind of broke like these moments. And so I think that uh, people might look at the way I parent with my daughters and be like, you have a weird relationship. It's very sarcastic, but it's not their fault. Their dad's a comedian too. So um, they're genetically predisposed. But I think that laughter is, you know, underutilized by parents. You know, kids want to see parents have a good time and be happy and let their hair down. You know what I mean? They want to see that. So why can't we just show them that side of ourselves? Yeah. Right, Lucy? Right? She said, yeah, you're awesome. Oh, Lucy. Well said, Lucy. She didn't really say that, but I'm putting words in there. You talk a little bit about balance, and we're sort of hearing it play out right now because this is uh, this is one of the oddest times that families have ever had to deal with in terms of in terms of balance and work and life and parenting and in teaching, as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, you talk a lot about balance in the book. What are some of the some of the pieces of advice and wisdom that you loft our way? We need to like give ourselves a break. <laughs> I really do. I think we need to like it's third grade. It's not Harvard, okay? So we're doing spelling, and her handwriting's really slow. So I was like, let me write. Like, you spell the words, and I'll write some of the words. Now, is that the letter of the law, the way the spelling sheet probably should have gone? No. Do I care? No. Are we going to turn it in? Yes. Give yourself a break. I think we put too much pressure on performance of our children. So I think we need to give our kids a break and give ourselves a break, and we'll have a lot less pressure in the house because I feel like kids can feel that. Wow, that is that is some great insight. Carrie Pomeroli has been with us today on Faith Radio's On the Road, the celebrated stand-up comedian that's graced stages from The Tonight Show to Comedy Central to ABC, a screenwriter, speaker, the author of The Fresh Wisdom of Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman. She rises late and her kids make her breakfast. Devotions for the Proverbs 32 woman and before we have just a few minutes left before we do anything else uh, where is the best place to begin the voyage to find a copy of the book and to learn more about you oh thank you well first of all they can find it anywhere amazon and all those places or they can go to proverbs32woman.com 
And um, I'm on Facebook inappropriately a lot. Uh, so they can, I have a Proverbs 32 woman group on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Carrie Palm, K-E-R-R-I-P-O-M. Drop me a note. I read all my mail. I respond even to the weird ones. I need attention. Send me a note. But I'm touring all over the place. So hopefully you'll, when this dies down, that you'll do some shows. We'll see each other on the road. You, you have done something. Uh, which is a dream of yours, you know, that you had something that you were good at. You've made it into a career. And that is something that so many of us dream of doing. But yeah. you talk a little bit about fear in the book and fear of failure as well. Somebody who maybe is looking at your story and thinking, man, I want to do the same thing. What would you say to that person? I would say don't quit and don't give up. I moved to Hollywood 20 years ago. And what's the secret to success? stay. There's a lot of people that move to Hollywood and, you know, quit and they go off to do other things that make them miserable. But I think, and it's not about Hollywood. It's, you know, if you want to write a book, go write a book. I didn't have a publisher. I wrote my book with a pencil and a pen. And then I had somebody type it up for me when I was 25, my first book. There's no reason in today's digital society, you want to be funny, make YouTube videos, go take a class, go, um, you know, find somebody that's good at what you want to do and ask if you can hang out with them. Ask if you can just go intern under them. You have no excuse not to learn because you mm. always need to be learning. Wow. All right. Well, there it is from Carrie Pomeroli today. One more time. The titles of the new books, Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman, and She Rises Late and Her Kids Make Her Breakfast, Devotions for the Proverbs 32 Woman. Carrie, what an absolute treat it's been talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the time. And invite me back anytime. Hey, you've got it. We will. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.